This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Coming off its lone bye week of the year and sitting with the perfect 3-0 record in Big 12 play, 17th-ranked Kansas State is preparing for a top-20 showdown at TCU this Saturday. The Wildcats and 8th-ranked Horned Frogs are the only two 3-0 teams in Big 12 play this season after TCU earned a hard-fought 43-40 double overtime victory at home last week against previously unbeaten Oklahoma State. Welcome to the Go Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Go Powercat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and over the next hour, we are going to get you ready for the Cats and Frogs Saturday night in Fort Worth. The game kicks at 7 p.m. inside beautiful Amon G. Carter Stadium, and it'll be shown on FS1 if you're watching at home. Kansas State is 5-1 and one overall on the season. Their lone blemish is that loss to Tulane. That seemed so hard to explain at the time and maybe still is, but Tulane is also 5-1 and one going into this weekend, and the Green Wave are in the top 25 themselves. Can K-State persist as the upstart Wildcats try to redefine the Big 12 Conference along with a TCU team that, like K-State, was picked for the bottom portion of this conference. Is this game going to decide one of the participants in the Big 12 Championship game later this season just down the road in Arlington? Maybe it's too early, but at 4-0, and whomever wins this game will be in a great position going forward. During the course of our show today, we'll talk to the usual cast. We'll have Ryan Wallace here shortly. He's standing by to talk about this matchup between the Frogs and the Cats. And, of course, Wally covers football recruiting and helps out with team coverage at GoPowerCat.com. Our player interview at the end of this segment will be with transfer safety Drake Cheatham. K-State brought in three transfer safeties, two from the transfer portal, including Cheatham, and one from the JUCO ranks, and all three are playing a big role. Drake Cheatham is from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, so he is going home this weekend for a game and expects a lot of Cheatham fans to be there to watch him. We'll also catch up with Chris Kleiman right after the break and 
talked to him about this Horned Frog team and how much this off week meant for Kansas State as the Wildcats tried to get healthy. Then we'll bring in our football analyst, Mr. Brian Hanley. He lives in the Dallas area. He will be at the game and he will join me in person for a post-game podcast on Sunday. So we will have Mr. Hanley available. And then, of course, we wrap things up as we do every week with the one and only Ryan Gills Gilbert. He's here to talk about the lines. Does he think the Cats should be favored at TCU? They're a three-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. Brian Gilbert might surprise you with some of his thoughts on this weekend's action. But as I mentioned, we are sponsored by, and we're about to get to Ryan Wallace, but as I mentioned, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And before we bring in Ryan Wallace, a quick bit of advertising for ourselves at Go Powercat. We're having a sale right now. I know a lot of you have joined the Go Powercat family and we have grown like crazy. But as the Wildcats continue down this pathway to a possible historic season and maybe a run at a Big 12 title, we decided to give you an offer to bring more of you on board. For the next few days, you can get two months for $1. That's a $1 test drive for two months that will get you through almost the end of football season. Come join us at Go Powercat right now. Look up in the corner of your screen. You'll see a green join button. Click that and check out our specials. It's going to be a great football season. And by the way, basketball is nearly upon us as Kansas State and the rest of the Big 12 held their media event in Kansas City. Our Ryan Gilbert and Cole Carmody were there. I'll bring that up with Mr. Gilbert later in the show. And now we bring in our own Ryan Wallace to discuss the Cats and the Frogs this weekend down in Fort Worth. And Wally, we're we're halfway into this season, and I find myself still not fully understanding the team I cover, Kansas State, let alone a team like TCU that doesn't play very good defense but plays so much offense, they're unbeaten and uh, now in the top ten. But I still am not convinced this is a really great football team in TCU. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because, you know, in, in kind of preparing for this week and preparing for this show, you know, you you find yourself watching uh, over the bye week against Oklahoma State, but then also, you know, going back and watching TCU against KU or TCU against Oklahoma, even back to SMU and Colorado, and I, I was expecting maybe some more sizzle. <laughs> I was expecting maybe this team to pop a little bit more than they did, and I left kind of with the same um, thought as you did. And then furthering that preparation, you know, listening to some of the TCU uh, podcasts and some of the experts out there that, that cover the Horn Frogs, they're kind of in the same boat as many of us that cover Kansas State. I think they still feel like um, the best football could still be still ahead for TCU. And at the same time, there's still a lot of problems that this team is trying to solve. So it's, it's an interesting game, you know, not only falling in the middle portion of the season, but for Kansas state coming off a bye, where it seems like this could be a game that's going to propel one of these two teams. And, you know, I don't want to say in separate directions, but you know, you're either going to really assert yourself as, okay, this team is a legitimate 
you know, player for Arlington and for the big 12 title, or, you know, maybe we still need to see this team prove themselves a little bit more deeper into October and November. Yeah. This, this game will leave someone on top of the conference standings at four and O all alone, but that's not even halfway done with the conference play. And I just feel like every game's an adventure. When, when I see Baylor lose at West Virginia and, you know, some of the things that have gone on this year in the conference, I, I don't know what to, what to expect. I mean, Iowa State should have won at Texas. Oklahoma State should have won at, at TCU. And now we've got Texas as a big favorite over Oklahoma State and Stillwater. It's just a baffling conference this year. And TCU does one thing really well. They put up points when they need to. They they honestly took advantage of Oklahoma State falling asleep at the wheel with a 14-point lead, but they won. And a big reason they won is quarterback Max Duggan. This kid has gotten better and better. He lost his job. He regained the job, and now he's not giving it up. He runs, he throws, but mostly he just gets it done, even if it isn't always really fun to watch. Yeah, and I'm curious to see kind of the health status of Max Duggan because I think he's so appreciated, so beloved by TCU for kind of having a Colin Klein type yeah. mentality, that toughness about him, um, you know, as a runner. And he got dinged up, I believe, it, it, in the latter part of regulation against Oklahoma State. It doesn't sound like it's going to be anything that's, you know, certainly going to hold him out for this game or anything of that nature. But, you know, you do wonder – Again, TCU kind of got that weird early bye week that I think K-State had several years ago. And so they're coming off just game after game after game. And not only that, and we'll touch on it a little bit later, but I mean, really mentally and emotionally, physically draining games that they've gone uh, at with, you know, KU, Oklahoma State, um, SMU even. So I think I'm curious to see kind of what, product TCU is even able to put out on the field. But if they're able to do what they've done in the past, what's gotten them into the top 10, you're right. I mean, it's, it's this offense, it's the number one scoring offense in the big 12. Um, and they're very balanced to fits. I mean, Max Duggan is to this offense. I think kind of what Adrian Martinez is to TCU, maybe not to the extent the importance of having a good Max Duggan versus a, a great, you know, Adrian Martinez, as far as what they mean to to their units. But um, being able to have Max Duggan have a, have his feet, um, you're seeing them average 229 rushing yards a game to 297 passing yards a game, and so it's forcing defenses to, you know, really be honest. But Kendra Miller, um, as a running back, I think is one of the more underappreciated guys in this league. Um, he's racking up, you know, I saw a stat recently that he's averaging, uh, the most yards per carry for anybody in the country that has a minimum of 200 career carries. So, I mean, that tells you the type of bruiser that K-State's, you know, you know, going to face here on Saturday night. He's a guy that's not going to go down on first contact. And so you got him and Max Duggan together. That's a, that's a load for, you know, Daniel green and them to, go after these safeties to come up into the box and hit time and time and time again. And Oh, by the way, then you've got to, got to deal with that guy on the outside in Quentin Johnson. I was waiting for you to get to him. He is something special. He he's great catching the ball. He's long and athletic, but it's after he catches it where he's real trouble. He's pretty darn shifty and he's not easy to get down. I'm 
curious to know how Kansas State's going to defend him. Are they going to sit back there in zone and let him kind of get, you know, comfortable? We saw that maybe at Iowa State, and then they went to the man. I think you've got to man up this guy. You can't let him run through your zone defense and pick his spot. Well, I think it's a perfect opportunity for, again, a guy like Julius Brents to put on some great NFL scouting tape. Um, If he can shut down Quentin Johnston, I mean, I think that just will speak worlds about Julius Brents. And I think, let's be honest, physically, he's as good uh, an opponent or counterpart that you want to throw at Quentin Johnston that maybe that you can find in the Big 12 uh, being every bit of what, six, three, maybe six, four, and, you know, close to 200 pounds. The thing about Johnston that is interesting when I dug up on him and thinking about what he's done these last two weeks, 386 yards and two touchdowns combined against KU and Oklahoma state. I mean, he, you could make a, an argument and I don't even know if it needs to be that strong that Quentin Johnston won in the game in Lawrence. <laughs> I mean, KU simply could not cover him. But if you go and look about what uh, what he's done in two career games against K-State Fitz, two receptions on 10 targets for five yards. Mm. <laughs> and again, that's through two games. Um, so, I mean, it's not like it's it's just one appearance. He's He's gone against K-State more than once. Uh, this is a cornerback tandem, and I'll throw the safeties in as well. Only three wide receivers this year so far has have gone above the 90-yard individual threshold against K-State. There were two tech receivers, um, Xavier White and Trey Cleveland, and then uh, Xavier Hutchinson um, uh, against Iowa State in the last one. Those are the only three that have gone over 90. So um, it'll be a pick-your-poison kind of deal, uh, I think, for K-State. But if I'm Joe Klanderman, I don't really switch up a whole lot of what I've done against Quentin Johnson in the past and what I've done against you know Xavier Hutchinson two weeks ago, I think it's, you know, force TCU. If they, if, if Quentin Johnson's going to beat you by himself, go ahead. Otherwise I'm making sure that I'm trying to make them as one dimensional as possible and taking out that run game. And he's not alone in the receiving end of this offense. It looks like Max Duggan can put the ball out there and guys go and make plays. Honestly, it's the complete counterpoint to Kansas state's receivers that, you know, honestly underperform a lot. They, they just don't get it done. And these TC receivers look so good in this air raid offense. They, they have made Max look better at times. But, boy, you build a lot of confidence as a quarterback when guys are just grabbing everything you throw at them. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, this is an experienced group at that, um, which is interesting because K-State has a pretty experienced group themselves. But, you know, they've got Johnston and Williams on the outside that are both two guys that stand about six, four. And then they can counter them inside in the slot when they go four wide with, you know, a Tay Barber and a Darius Davis that are just speedsters. Um, it's it's Philip Brooks level speed, probably even more, let's be honest, with more twitch, you know, with, with a more natural receiving ability. And you're right. I mean, it, it, these two offenses could not be, you know, more different. I I will say in, when you you think about the air raid, and again, for folks that don't know, it's this this offense for TCU, Sonny Dykes is an air raid disciple himself, but he goes out and and, uh, hires uh, Garrett Riley, from Appalachian State to join him at SMU, and then obviously he carried him over from T or from SMU to TCU with him. So it, it's a little Lincoln Riley esque kind mm-hmm. of air raid offense. It's not the Dana Holgerson, Cliff Kingsbury, Mike Leach style. They they want to get it done on the ground as well, and it's not quite as up tempo as even Lincoln Riley's was. Um, 
they're not firing at a Texas Tech type pace. If you look at their kind of plays per minute, it's really not as high as you would think. They're looking for explosive plays. They're looking for matchups that they can exploit and really having that chess match within the air raid to give them the most explosive plays. And that's what you're seeing. I mean, they're second nationally right now in yards per play at 7.7, which is, again, I mean, complete opposite of K-State because during the bye week, Fitz, I go back and crank up the stat book. This offense for K-State is on pace for its fewest passing attempts since 2017. And that was the year that you had Jesse Ertz get hurt and you were kind of playing the Alex Delton, Skyler Thompson carousel. And this offense is also on pace for its lowest yards per attempt since 2016. Um, And that was another year where they were kind of struggling from the quarterback position. So this year they have a quarterback, but for whatever reason, Fitz, they just cannot extend the field. It's crazy looking at their stats. As you mentioned, they're averaging 7.7 yards per play, and they're scoring 45.83 points per game. That's highest in the Big 12. And yet their total number of offensive plays is ninth in the conference. Ninth. I'm let you guess who tenth is. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, it's really interesting stats. They're they're kind of hard to decipher exactly what this team's about. But again, let's go back to the film. I spent my day really watching that TCU Oklahoma State game, and TCU looked pretty feckless, pretty useless in the first half. They really did. They kind of hung around. They got down by 17. Then they're down by 14 at the end of the third quarter. Oklahoma State's clearly the better team. And then Oklahoma State almost seemed to go into Kansas State against Tulane mode. And all of a sudden, Spencer Sanders couldn't complete anything. They couldn't move the ball. They're they're running hurry up and giving TCU more time. Nothing made sense to me about the end of that game as it went into overtime. But I'll give them this. They won, and that's why these two teams are sitting atop the conference standings right now is they just find ways to win games. Maybe it's the fifth-year quarterback thing, but I, I do feel like Kansas State's going to need to throw the ball with more um, creativity and also efficiency. Guys got to catch the ball. If if your quarterback throws the ball to you, you got to make a play on it, and, and that hasn't always happened this year. Do you feel like Adrian Martinez in this offense can find a little bit better groove against a TCU defense that, honestly, I don't think has done that much this year themselves? No, yeah, absolutely. I think they should. Um, You know, I I look at TCU uh, from a defensive standpoint. Uh, Well, you know, it's interesting. I've I've been confused a little bit going into this game, listening to some of the national pundits and then obviously the Vegas oddmakers that are really favoring TCU. And I mean, it's not by a touchdown or anything. It's three and a half or four and a half. But um, the, when you hear some of these national pundits, and I, I'm assuming it's just because of the schedule that TCU has faced so far, they're a little bit more proven than K-State. But I, I see two very similar teams, and I see a team like K-State that I think has been a little bit more dominant, maybe not by the score, um, but they've – They've won games the way that they, you know, you would expect them to win. And again, they're not that that different. I, I feel like K State has an offense that is struggling, and you've got an elite offense with TCU. I think you've got K State with an elite defense and a TCU defense that 
I think they've they've stood to the challenge so far, but it reminds me a lot of Texas Tech fits when we talked about going into that Texas Tech game. It's a a defense is probably better than you expected, especially all the the players that the Horn Frogs lost this offseason, the the difference makers that they've had to replace. But but still kind of a roller coaster, a lot of some missed tackles in there, um, some blown assignments and miscommunication. They're not incredibly disciplined. The thing that I think K-State can really exploit right now with TCU is they've got an active secondary and a secondary that's creating some turnovers, but they're doing it a lot on their own because it is a lack of pressure right now from uh, the trenches of, of TCU. And they've got some newcomers that I think are starting to play a little bit better, especially on the inside, Dominic Williams um, and a, a transfer defensive tackle from Georgia. That's starting to play a little bit better, but they cannot really put a whole lot of pressure on the pocket. Um, D winners, one of their outside linebackers is kind of the guy that they're using to manufacture pressure out of this three, three, five. So, you know, when I look at Gillespie, who's the DC, um, he came from Tulsa. Um, I've watched plenty of Tulsa as a Memphis fan, and, and it's kind of feast or famine. I think when you watch what Spencer Sanders was able to do in the first half, I think when you watch a little bit uh, of what KU even was able to do, Jalen Daniels went out, uh, was out against TCU in that game. But even uh, Bean came in, and the way that they were able to extend plays with their legs, I mean, Spencer Sanders in that first half against TCU um, he averaged over six yards a, a carry in the game and only carried it about 11 times. And I want to say like nine of the carries were in the first half. Yeah. Again, why Mike Gundy got away from that? They, they overthought it. Fitz. I think you're right. I think they got in their own head, but uh, this is if K state can come out with the same kind of game plan that we saw against Oklahoma, where again, they really weren't stretching the field, but Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, their legs, the ground game was able to create a couple openings in the passing game. I think if you can just mimic that same game plan and extend plays with the run, um, and catch them off guard here and there with the pass. You and I have been talking about it. K-State at some point is going to have to prove that they can go vertical a little bit. I don't know if Saturday night they're going to need to. Yeah, I I don't even think it needs to be that deep a ball. It's just like against Oklahoma. Just get it over the middle to the tight end or someone and, and create um, – create an opportunity to run the ball on the next play because the safeties have to stay back. It's, it's going to be a really, really interesting matchup because, as you said, it's a really good offense against a really good defense and an offense and defense going the other way that both have something to prove. And um, the one area of the game that I think could be the most evenly balanced, though, is special teams. TCU's really good in special teams. You know, you mentioned Darius Davis um, a little bit earlier, but he's a big threat in the return game. And this was a fascinating stat. I, I can't remember if they got through the entire Oklahoma State game without it. TCU hasn't had a punt return against it this year. They, mm -hmm. Their punter positions the ball and kicks it so high, the coverage unit's always there. So that might take that out of this game. But I have a gut feeling that something's going to happen in special teams here that might just sway this game. And that gut feeling doesn't say it's K-State. It could go either way. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, watching TCU and KU, um, uh, I remember listening to the announcers talking about how, uh, and again, there's, you know, that that was two, two three weeks ago now, but um, TCU's field goal kicker at that time was 
um, kicking, but not a hundred percent healthy. Um, so, uh, be curious to see, I, I don't know kind of what his status is heading into K state, but you know, he's kind of been hampered. Obviously Chris Tennant has been up and down for K state. So yeah, this is a, it, it's so even across the board, um, that I wonder, I really am wondering Fitz, if this isn't going to be a game that's decided in kind of other areas, um, areas that, that aren't offense, defense and special teams. And by that, I mean, between the years and let's be honest, stamina health, yeah. which again, I think favors K state. Right. I mean, you would have to think at least going into the game, the fact that K-State had a bye week, had an opportunity to heal up from a really physical Iowa State game, has to help the Cats. You know, you just never know how a team's going to react after an off week. Meanwhile, TCU has to jump right back in action after a similar, similar physical game against Oklahoma State and with a lot on the line. So... I, I, I can see some fatigue maybe setting in on TCU, both mental and physical as a game wears on because this conference is unforgiving. And this, even though you got these back-to-back at home, K-State will experience that in the next couple of weeks with Oklahoma State and Texas coming in. They just keep coming at you. And I think the bye week might serve K-State really well in this game. Uh, I think so too. In fact, that's why I'm kind of giving the edge outright to K-State in this one. That's who I'm picking and I, I just keep going back to if, if everything is kind of apples to apples, like you said, the offense, TCU offense, K-State defense, K-State offense, TCU defense, and special teams, I keep coming back to you're looking at K-State coming off a bye. You would think Chris Kleiman's group is going to be hungry, motivated, focused, and healthy again. Um, you look at TCU, I just feel like they've lived in the danger zone for too long, Um, that they've been kind of running on this high octane fuel that at some point it's going to catch up to them. So SMU, you look at that game for TCU and remember, there's a lot of emotion that went into that game. Sonny Dykes coming over from SMU. Mm -hmm. A couple miles to TCU. That was an eight-point win. And again, TCU was up 28-7. to seven. Let SMU kind of hang around, come back. They end up winning by eight. So they pull out that one, high emotion, big win. They got a rebound from there. They, they do it against Oklahoma. Again, they beat down Oklahoma, but that was a, a team that I, a, a game that I think everybody in the Big 12 goes into, hyper-intense, hyper-focused. Follow that up with KU. Um, seven point win college game day, a lot on the line. And then they come back again the very next week against Oklahoma state in an overtime game where they got down 24 to seven at one point had to pull out a three point win against an Oklahoma state team that I think we all would agree is among the most physical in the conference. And I even went back and looked at the snap counts. You look at K state versus Iowa state to give you an example K-State, Iowa State, so the offensive starters for K-State against Iowa State names played roughly 60 snaps. Uh, the starters on defense were roughly around 50 to 60 snaps. TCU against Oklahoma State in overtime, that that win for the Horn Frogs, their offensive starters were playing roughly 80 to 90 snaps, mm-hmm. and their defense is playing anywhere from 70 to 80. And so, again, you're coming off that game where you're pl- expending your, your, your stamina more than average on the cusp of coming off a, a stretch of three to four games where you were emotionally bought in. I just wonder, you know, credit to Sonny Dykes because I think TCU this year reminds me a lot of K-State in 2019. 
Um, the coaching change has really given them an oomph. Um, the, the culture shock has been a good thing, but I, I just really wonder if maybe, you know, you, again, you live in that kind of red alert danger zone so long um, you face a, a disciplined, tough nosed Kansas state team I think it might catch up with them. Yeah, I agree. I I don't know how they perpetuate it, and if they do, more more power to um, Sonny Dykes because this this is something else he's done. Because I was not that impressed with TCU coming into the season, but they put in new offense and a new defense. And and Wally, I look at this three three five that they're running, which is what K State runs. It's new to the Frogs that. This is about the time when K-State got lost in it last year. Maybe it happened a little earlier, but K-State started to get a little too complex in it, and they weren't quite ready to go there. The difference is this TCU offense can compensate and outscore the other team. And that really wasn't true for K-State last year. They just didn't have enough offensive oomph in those big games against Oklahoma State and Baylor and all them that lined up in a row, and they couldn't get over the hump. But they can, and I feel like it's a better way to learn. However, however, this offense also doesn't always put that defense in a really good position because they, they strike at you so fast, which is great. You got points, but the defense is right back out there pretty soon, and it just can wear a defense down. And I think, you know, in, in a weird way, if K-State's going to give up three touchdowns, make them be quick ones. I'm almost like what yeah. we saw against Oklahoma because that'll stress their defense because they get no rest. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect the K-State defense to play as phenomenally as we saw in Manhattan against TCU last year. I think that TCU team had checked out. Yeah. Um, and and so I, I'm not expecting that. I think this TUC, TCU team is more bought in um, and their firepower. I think this coaching staff is really, you know, favoring the, the guys that they need to, the Quentin Johnstons, Max Duggan. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think for K-State, if there's one concern that I do have heading into this game, it's kind of what we saw against Oklahoma. And like you said, Fitz, you're hoping that they're quick strike scores because for as good as this K-State defense has played, I think as starters, I think the further they have to get into that rotation, um, look, Jacob Parrish, Omar Daniels could be pretty darn good players here in yeah. a couple of years. Um, but we've seen them get exposed at times when they've had to play a lot of snaps and Julius Brinson, Echo Boydo, and these safeties are going to get tired. You're going to have to bring in DJ Payne and others on Saturday night. You're just going to have to, um, that could be the one area that maybe I'm overlooking and underestimating a little bit is TCU being able to take advantage uh, of those, of those corners and, and the safeties and just the overall second string of the defense. But for now, um, that defense has proven so far, um, that it's, it's capable of winning a game on their own. I could spend an entire podcast reading amazing stats right now from TCU, but I'll end our conversation with this one. TCU is 6-0. and They played six games. They have scored 36 touchdowns. They are averaging six touchdowns a game. Uh, what? I mean, <laughs> you know, if, if they get to five touchdowns, K-State is probably cooked. And four is right up against that limit. I think 30 points is a threshold. Uh, if someone breaks 30, they're going to win the game. Uh, that was very similar in many ways to the regulation version of the TCU-Oklahoma State game. And then they ended up going to a double overtime. But, boy, outscoring TCU isn't easy, so the defense better be pretty darn good. 
Yep. And I'll finish with this because uh, you led me right into it. I love history. 2012, you know, was the time that these two teams really started to face each other as members of this conference. So it's been a decade. Only four times has the winner um, put up 30 plus. So I think you're right. I think if you, mm. uh, whoever gets to 30, uh, you might as well book it. Cause I think that's, that's going to be the winner and only four wins, um, by the victor in this series since 2012 have come by more than two scores. So I do think it'll be a competitive one. Um, I'm giving the edge to K state, but you're right. I, I think it might be a race to see who can get to 30 or, you know, whose defense can really win the day. And again, I'm, I'm siding with K state. Thank you, Ryan Wallace. And now let's move into our interview segment. And one of the guys that'll be right in the crosshairs of this TCU offense is safety Drake Cheatham. He is one of the transfers in the back end of this defense that have helped so much with Joe Klanderman's scheme. He's going back home to the Metroplex. Let's hear from Drake Cheatham in this week's player interview. Did you get a chance to watch the TCU game on Saturday, and what were your impressions of their offense? Um, yeah, I watched the game on uh, Saturday. They're they're a great offense. They got a lot of explosive players everywhere, all, all over the field. And uh, Max Duggan has done a great job with that offense. So uh, we're all locked in this week. And you've spent some time, obviously, down in Texas. Um, this is the first time you guys will have played down there this year. Going to be a little homecoming for you, and, and just what are you most looking forward to about playing in, in Texas? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, being from the Dallas area, uh, this is, a, you know, there's going to be a lot of people there for me, so it's going to be exciting to play in Dallas again and in Texas again, so yeah, I'm excited about it. When you look at the receivers that TCU has, they're all seem to be over 6'4". What challenges does that present to not only you, but the other guys in the secondary? Uh, just being good with our technique, uh, you know, playing the ball in the air and stuff like that, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, try to limit putting ourselves in bad situations with the jump balls and stuff like that with our technique. So that's going to be real important this week. How much stress does a quarterback like Max Duggan put on safeties? A, a lot of stress because he, he can he can sling it and then he can run. So uh, that gives us a lot of stress that uh, we're going to have to be on our best game for sure. What's your key to succeeding against a guy like that? Uh, limiting the explosive down the field plays and keeping him in the pocket so I feel like that's that's the recipe for success for us are these kind of games you dream about being able to play in? absolutely uh you know two nationally ranked teams uh there wouldn't be there's nowhere else I want to be so absolutely how good was the bye week for everybody to get rested uh, it was it was essential shoot for me everybody else you know Duke everybody to get healthy and you know get right though we have some you know important pieces we need everybody this week to uh, get this W this is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama we'll be right back with more of the Powercat pregame podcast another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. That, of course, was Kansas State safety Drake Cheatham as we went into the break. And now let's hear from Kansas State's head football coach himself, Chris Kleiman. I was able to talk to Coach Kleiman at the top of the press conference this past week, and I was able to sneak in a few questions about how good this TCU team is and how much his team needed that off week. Let's get to Chris Kleiman. Our guys got uh, a good three-day weekend, good break, and uh, came back yesterday, had our first workout, and today we'll put pads back on for the first time and um, get ready to play a really good uh, TCU team. We talk about one-week seasons, and we've got six left, and um, the stakes keep getting higher, and uh, we get a really good TCU team at their place. They're playing really well. I, I was able to watch a little bit of it. Uh, on Saturday, saw more of the second half, but uh, uh, Duggan's playing really, really well, playing with a lot of confidence. Um, you can see how their defense has, has continued to grow um, in their new system that they're running, uh, and uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence. So it'll be a big challenge for us, and we could have a great week of preparation. What exactly is the TCU offense and Duggan doing that's giving defenses so much trouble? A couple things. One, his ability to uh, run the football, whether it's design runs, scrambles, has been uh, um, a nightmare for teams, as well as you know spreading the ball out. Uh, uh, the receivers is playing at a really, really high level right now. The running back's playing at a high level. They're blocking up front really well. And then you mix in the amount of tempo that they're running. Uh, they're getting a lot of people misaligned and, and just throwing some easy smoke screens that are uh, sometimes you think would be knocked down for three or four and they're getting 15, getting 18 yards and then um, they're able to take and, and win on their shot plays. And uh, But uh, it's I think it's a credit to where Duggan's at and how he's playing because um, uh, he's making them go. You mentioned the TCU defense. What exactly are they doing on defense, and why has it been effective? Well, they're doing the three-three-five, like a lot of people are, um, and uh, just watching them evolve over the year uh, or through the season, I should say. Uh, you can tell how much more confident the guys are in where they're supposed to be, well, what what how they're trying to attack teams. Um, they played a bunch of man coverage against Oklahoma State that has really talented wide receivers, uh, and there wasn't a lot of easy throws uh, for Sanders to make. And uh, they just they made plays on balls and and knocked things away and um, did a great job of stymieing the run game uh, with their linebackers and, and their front so active and, and safeties. And, um, you know, they're they're playing some simple things really, really well. And you mentioned last week that the team was pretty beaten up. We were thankful for the off week. How is the health looking this, this season? Well, we'll find out today. There was a number of guys that didn't participate uh, yesterday that we anticipate uh, practicing some today or tomorrow. But uh, everybody that played against Iowa State is right now on target to, to play this Saturday. That was Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman. And now it's time for our analyst segment with our own Brian Hanley, a former Kansas State offensive lineman. And- 
on the 97 and 98 great K-State teams. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast and now we bring in our football analyst mr brian hanley to talk about the cats and the frogs on saturday night in fort worth brian i'm i'm fired up for this game just because i like both programs i like both coaches it's a cool stadium it's a great setting um there's just so many things about this game to like and there are huge stakes involved with both of these teams sitting atop the Big 12 standings at 3-0 and heading into the contest. The winner will be well-positioned. The loser is far from out of it. But, boy, winning, as always, is better than losing. I just can't even wrap my mind around how big this game is for the players in the locker room. And how did you, how did you approach a big game as a player? Well, you know, you always have those nerves the night before, you know, you try to sleep the best that you can. Um, you know, any game, obviously you'll have a little nervousness, but the bigger games it's, you know, you have trouble sleeping. It's on and off, on and off. Uh, but you know, you just kind of lock in mentally, you know, and, and good things can happen. You know, it doesn't always happen, but you know, getting fired up for the big game. Those, this is why you come to Kansas state to play in these type of games. That's literally why you come. Um, and for me, like I said, you have trouble sleeping the night before you get locked in, you know, it seems like you're looking at your playbook. Every time you wake up in the middle of the night, it seemed like I was looking at the, the game plan. Okay. Yeah. And just going over it over and over again, man, it, it's, it's actually fun. It's nerve wracking. It can't be, but it's fun. You know, there's basketball media event going on in Kansas City as we record this. And it took Jerome Tang to point out something obvious that is going on in the Big 12. When you look atop those standings in the Big 12 for football, you've got Kansas State, you've got TCU, and you've got Oklahoma State, and all three have fifth-year quarterbacks. And Max Duggan comes into this game as a guy who lost his job, regained his job under the new coaching staff at TCU, and has never looked back, including playing a mostly terrific game after a slow start in beating Oklahoma State last weekend in Fort Worth. He is problems throwing and running, isn't he? He is. He is. You know, and the whole thing about him losing his job, honestly, fits what I believe it was one of those things where a new coach is coming in and maybe he's just like, you know what, they're going to give it to somebody new anyway because they know I'm on my way out and they're trying to rebuild the program. I think that might have had something to do with it, not necessarily on the coach's end, but on his end. And when the guy gets hurt and he gets his opportunity, he's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to run with this and play because he wasn't a horrible quarterback to begin with. So it's not like he wasn't good. He was. And he is going to cause us some problems if we if we do. He's going to cause us some problems no matter what we right. do. We can play well and he's going to cause us some problems. He's just a good quarterback and to be i mean i I don't like saying a lot of great things about opponents because i'm so pro k-state but (laughs) i love his story i love just what i was mentioning at the beginning i love the fact that he said you know what if i'm gonna go out i'm gonna go out fighting and they're gonna have to rip this job away from me after initially just saying 
And I kind of know some people within the program, and it, it, they didn't think that he put his best foot forward initially. And now he has, and it's paying big dividends. Another intriguing thing about Duggan is the fact that he flat out said, I love TCU more than my playing time. I'm staying no matter yep. what this new coaching staff decides. And there's yep. probably some acclimation there. As Sonny Dykes shows up and puts in the, a version of Mike Leach's air raid. So they're going fast. They're throwing a lot. They're spreading the ball around. And it's funny when I watch a replay of a game, you know, the full game, I, I usually can fast forward in between plays. Now, you, you, you can't do that at, with TCU. If you hit the fast no. forward button 15 seconds, you miss a play. Yep. It's absolutely incredible to watch. Duggan is completing nearly 70% of his passes, averaging 265 yards a game through the air. On top of that, he runs for about 43 a contest. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is taken away by sack yardage, but still he's a real threat to run the ball. He's incredibly athletic. I think it was his freshman season. He ran all over K-State as when he came into the game here in Manhattan. And this TCU offense is putting up a Big 12 conference high. 45.83 points per game. It's interesting that Oklahoma State's at 45.33. In other words, that game swung that balance to TCU's favor in, in winning uh, the overtime game 43-40 against Oklahoma State. I think that was the score. But they put up points, man. K-State cannot get into a shootout with Max Duggan and company. No. No, I mean, if TCU gets the 45 points, we, we lost. Right. So I, I can say that. So that, that's the one thing. We can't get into a shootout with them. We're not built that way. Um, but we don't have to be built that way to win. You know, we, we, we can, can possess the ball. We can play great defense. You know, get off the field on third downs. Play smart. Don't make dumb penalties. I know that's a thing that you say, you know, for every game. But in this case, it becomes even more enhanced because if you don't do those things, the game is going to get away from us because they are going to be, they're going to score. But the, the key is, is to keeping the score down. You know, you can't stop people in college football, not good football teams. You're not going to be able to do that. It's, it's impossible. But you can limit the opportunities and capitalize when you need to capitalize. And that's what K-State has to do. This is a fascinating stat. And this is why I love stats and also how meaningless they can be. TCU, as I mentioned, averages about 46 points a game, Big 12 high. They are ninth in total offensive plays run. They don't run many offensive plays because they're so right. damn efficient. They score easily. They're averaging more points per play than anyone else in this conference. It's incredible to watch how efficient they are. By the way, the only team worse at running plays is, of course, Kansas State. Um, as They're not as efficient. Again, they can't get in a shootout. But also, you flip it over, the TCU defense is one of those defenses that is playing with an offense that doesn't play complementary football. What that stat means is the TCU offense puts the defense right back on the field. Maybe they just scored, but they're back on the field. And that can wear out a defense. And I feel like that's something where K-State is going to have to answer, not with quick strikes, but methodical drives. As soon as TCU points puts points on the board, go grinding on that defense and wear them out. Yeah, that's what we're going to have to do. That's literally what we're going to have to do. It's just, it's going to be one of those grinded out type of football games. We have to slow them down. And when I mean slow them down, I mean make them drive the football. 
you know, the whole bend but don't break type of thing. And first of all, if we bend too much, they're just going to break us apart. So it has to be kind of a sturdy bend, you know, kind of a little arch type of a deal. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to have to be a grinded-out type of a football game. And, again, just the offense, we're just going to have to put our best foot forward on offense because if we don't, it, it, it will be a problem. Just mistake-free and just run the football because, like you mentioned, their defense is not one that's – we'll be able to do what we want to do as long as we don't turn the ball over and have mistakes. K-State's offense will be able to do what they want to do. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, and what's funny about watching that game is we all know from looking at the stats that Oklahoma State was up by 17 in the first half, 14 going into the fourth quarter and lost in overtime in this game. But it wasn't just about TCU rallying. I felt like Oklahoma State completely lost its focus on what it was attempting to do in the game. They ended Absolutely. Up, they ended up doing hurry-up offense, giving TCU more possessions. They got caught up into the defensive substitution trick so much so that the they gave. They gifted TCU two crucial first downs with too many players on the field. Look, you can run players on if the offense substitutes, but you only have so much time to do it. And they were just lollygagging all over the place. And finally, TCU started taking advantage of it. K-State has also been a program that kind of loses its way. This is not a game when you can afford to lose the focus on what you're trying to do offensively or defensively because you'll pay the price. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I was watching the game. I'm obviously, I think everybody was flipping back and forth between that and the Tennessee Alabama game. And I was watching it, and just what you said, Oklahoma State let TCU back in the game. It wasn't so much what TCU was doing. Oklahoma State, number one, they took their foot off the gas, and it's just what you said—that fine line of just kind of being lackadaisical on defense. K State plays the same game. But we do it a lot smoother. We run guys out fast, but they jog out there. Oklahoma State waited till the last second. The refs are like, no, no, we're we're not going to wait that long, you know, for you to sub. And they just took their foot off the gas and let them do it. Right. I, I just think it's if K-State puts their foot down and does the things and just, again, nobody's going to play the perfect football game. So I'm not asking, nor am I saying that K-State has to play a perfect football game. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is we do have to do the things that we do and do them well. We can't be lackadaisical in the stuff that we're trying to do. We got to know, get a plan, accomplish the plan, and keep the plan going even when things are going well. Oklahoma State didn't do that, and it cost them a football game. Well, it's going to be quite the atmosphere down there. Not as much purple as one would expect. They decided to have a a blackout, um, which I think is interesting. And K-State thanks them for that. Uh, But one of the things Kansas State absolutely must do in this game, as you mentioned, is protect the ball. You cannot give TCU added possessions. I almost feel like one turnover could swing the fate of the game. That's how fine of a line K-State is on uh, during the course of this game. Um, And uh, remarkably, Adrian Martinez hasn't turned the ball over. And I, I feel like by mentioning that, and we all have this week in the media, we're completely jinxing it. Uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. And, and don't get me wrong. I am a, as superstitious as it gets, down to putting my socks on the exact same way, you know, left foot, right foot. Even when I played, I, it was even worse. 
you'd wear two pairs of socks, put one on the left foot, one on the right. I mean, I'm, I'm that guy. So I get what you're saying. Having said that, I, I just, I don't know. I, here's the one thing. Their defense really isn't that good. I just feel like K-State's going to be able to do whatever we want to do. As long as we don't turn it over, and I know that's what we're talking about, but as long as we don't do that and we don't have these you know, crushing penalties and pre-snap penalties, which are really the crushers, as long as we don't have that, I feel like we're going to be okay. And I also feel like TCU hasn't played a defense as good as Kansas State's either. That's another thing that people are kind of missing. I don't think K-State fans are missing, which is good. But, you know, the national media and everybody else, I think they're missing that TCU hasn't played a defense like Kansas State's. That's as good as Kansas State's can be, you know, when all things, you know, are clicking. So I think we have to look at that aspect of it, too, because I just believe that that's the truth. I really do. K-State's giving up second in the conference. Not surprising. Iowa State's atop the list at 15.1 points surrendered per game. That's so impressive. But K-State's at 16.6. Man, if they hold them to 16.6 points, first of all, I can't explain how they did that, but they better win this game. Uh, One more question for the ex-player, though. Off weeks. Uh, K-State needed it physically. Um, they they feel like they're much more healed up than they would have been. Uh, they they certainly are if they had played last weekend. But everyone looks to be ready to go in this game. But can everything you gain in physical recovery go out the window with mental uh, lapses because you have had a week off? I mean, w- what's your stance on off weeks? Because I know Coach Snyder had a good history with them sometimes, but also we saw some real stinker performances after off weeks. It can be a mixed bag. It can absolutely be a mixed bag. Um, I'll be honest, for us, we enjoyed the off weeks as much as we can. It seemed like our off weeks came early. So Coach Snyder didn't really let us do a whole lot, you know, so he kind of grinded us a little bit during the off weeks. But it's a lot of mental stuff. You know, that first week when you're off, it's lots of mental, you know, fundamentals and that kind of stuff. So as far as the mental aspect, I don't think you lose that because that's basically what you're working on. You'll do some game planning, you know, for two weeks and that kind of stuff for the, you know, the game that you're coming up, that's coming up. But it's a lot of mental reps and a lot of rest. You know, you you try to work in young guys. I don't think K-State will lose a lot. You can. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's impossible, so I don't want anybody to think that. But I just don't think you lose a lot mentally just for the simple fact of, especially when the bye came when it did. Guys are beat up. Hey, bye. We never had a bye in the middle of the season. Had or like, you know, after game six. Had we? Oh, my goodness. It would have been just a blessing to have it. So I think guys will be more refreshed mentally, if anything, just because they know that their body is healing. Thank you so much, Brian. I hope to see you on Saturday in Fort Worth, and I will talk to you in person if everything works out on Sunday to record the postgame podcast before we head back to Manhattan. And now we turn our attention to the gambling lines this weekend around the Big 12 Conference and what you should and shouldn't bet on, according to our own expert, Ryan Gills Gilbert. And of course, all of these lines are from our friends at the Caesars book. That is the official app of CBS Sports slash 24-7 Sports. Mr. Gilbert pulling double duty on this day, talking a little Big 12 football after covering a little Big 12 basketball. 
First, let me get your quick thoughts on that basketball, the media tip-off event in Kansas City. What did you think of the question that was asked of uh, Jerome Tang about KU winning a national title? <laughs> Tang took the high road. That was he funny, did. though. I saw people messing about around with that on Twitter. But overall, it was a good day. And probably my favorite part was just the breakouts with the coaches afterwards. Yeah. Um, I talked to Chris Beard about coach, uh, assistant coach, Eric Malagy. I talked to Scott Drew and Adam Flagler of Baylor about Jerome Tang, his time in Waco. So getting to know, um, you know, these coaches on the K-State staff, what other Big 12 coaches and players had to say about them was probably my you know favorite part of the day. I really did learn something. But, I mean, Fitz, you know how this stuff goes. A lot of it's coach speak, but I did learn some things from those guys. Absolutely. It really can be. That's why I send the young guys, the young guys like you and Cole Carmody that still have a little zest for life. You've still got zest. You're still young. Come on. Okay. Um, let's get into this weekend's football action around the Big 12 and start with the team that has screwed me over two weeks in a row because I extended my faith in the Kansas Jayhawks way too far. They are an eight-point dog on the road at Baylor. Baylor, which lost at West Virginia in this very confusing year of Big 12 football. You say KU plus eight. Bet it. You're going to tell me to bet it, aren't you? Well, so last week, what'd you have KU at? I can't even remember, but I had him winning outright. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Tough luck there. Doesn't this just kind of feel like a get right game for Baylor? Uh-huh. That's kind of my, you know, instant, you know, when looking at it, I think this is a game where Baylor gets right. They've had a long week of rest to sit on this one. And I think KU is starting to come back down to earth. I know injuries aren't helping that team by any means, but this kind of seems like a mediocre you know, a mediocre team that's starting to get figured out uh, talking about Kansas. So I like Baylor here in this spot. I, I don't particularly love it because Kansas has, you know, shattered its expectations this season. But, you know, I would definitely lean Baylor. This feels like a game where they get the, the, the train back on on track. I agree with you, even though Kansas still can score a lot of points with Jason beating the backup. I mean, there's still a great offense. The defense just stinks all to heaven. Just awful. Yeah. Awful, awful, awful. West Virginia is feeling good coming off that win at Baylor. And now they get to go to Texas Tech where they are a six and a half point dog to the Red Raiders win by seven at home over the team we thought was the worst in the conference until they went out and actually won a game. Yeah, doesn't it just tell you how uh, unpredictable mm-hmm. college football and especially the Big 12 really is? Um, I like Texas Tech here, home team. And I know I, I said this a couple of times, but after seeing them in Manhattan, it seems like they're just a few plays away each game. Uh, you know, a few bad mistakes that if those don't happen, you know, that's a much different football team. West Virginia, I think that was probably the uh, the the high point of their season last Thursday against against Baylor. And I'm still in the belief that the odds are that Neil Brown probably won't be around by season's end. I, I don't know for sure, but I would bet on on him not sticking around. Uh, I, I think things start to trend back down south for West Virginia after that, that Thursday win. I'll go with the home team, Texas Tech. Okay, we're agreeing so far. Now let's get to the only game where the road team is the favorite, and that is Texas, which barely won in Austin last week against Iowa State, is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Oklahoma State, which barely lost at very good TCU last week. Make sense of this line for me because I don't see Texas as a touchdown favorite on the road in Stillwater. Well, to make sense of the line, Spencer Sanders' health is in question. And it almost makes me believe that, that, that Vegas does not think he'll play. And 
if he is ruled out, you won't even see any sort of line movement because that, you know, the fact that was already factored into the line that, that Vegas has. Right. But I mean, you look at it, Texas is what 20 and Oklahoma state's 11, I believe. I mean, a road team that's 10 spots behind the home team is favored by a touchdown more often than not. Vegas knows something that you don't. And for that reason alone fits, I'm going Texas. Well, there you go. Vegas knows more than me. Jeez. That's just outlandish. And me. And me. Outlandish. And here we go. Kansas State on the road at TCU. This is the battle for the top slot in the Big 12. You will be all by yourself unbeaten in conference play, sitting atop the standings if you win this game. And Vegas has, Caesars Sportsbook more specifically has, TCU as a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Do the Frogs beat the Cats by four or more? Yes, I'm sorry to say that, but I don't like K-State here. I really don't. And it's not its not really about TCU. They're a good team, sure. I get all that. They've got athletes. It's not much as uh, it's about TCU, but it's just Kansas State. My confidence level really doesn't isn't that high right now. You take away the two home run balls they had against Iowa State to Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks, and Fitz, the offense really didn't do anything. And I hate to say this. I, I really hate to say this, but Kansas State is – a handful of plays away from being 0-3 in the Big 12. Obviously, good teams make plays to win games. Kansas State deserves all the credit for those plays. They're 3-0. I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but don't let that 3-0 record fool you. This team lost to Tulane. Martinez, I keep saying this over and over, he's going to have to air it out at some point, and he has done that against Iowa State and you know teams prior. He did it on the ground against Oklahoma, but I don't think it was really that consistent. Right? He had a, a few big plays and it seemed like that was it. So I'm still hesitant with this K-State team. Now, if they win this game, I think they're the odds-on favorite to win the Big 12. Absolutely, because that schedule coming up is, is, is you know, yeah. relatively favorable for Kansas State. But They get some I home mean, games, it, yeah. Yep, yeah, and they've, you know, then they can prove it. You beat TCU on the road. I mean, what else can you really prove to your, you know, people like that? I just don't, you know, don't get, um, don't fall in love with that half a point, you know, K-State plus three and a half. It almost feels like they want you to take the bait with that half a point on Kansas State. If you feel confident on K-State, great. Um, but I, I personally just have a, a feeling with TCU here. It's not so much about how good or bad TCU is. I just, I think K-State, I mean, Chris Kleiman mentioned it this week at the press conference. The bye week really doesn't mean much. Obviously, you get healthier and you get some rest. But as far as the schematics and all the game planning goes, the X's and O's, I don't think K-State really gains much of an edge with having a bye week. Some much-needed rest, absolutely, but I'm not looking too much into that. So I've got more reasons to, to, to pick and bet on TCU than I have K-State. Interesting. Now, I don't have it in front of me, but I think the over-under is around 58, 58 and a half. Uh, pairing that with the spread, I'm guessing Vegas thinks TCU will get over 30 points. For me, that's the line. you got to keep the Frogs under 30 if you want to, quote, outscore them. Which I think is that's very possible. I think I would bet the under on TCU scoring like you know thirty some points. It's the offense for K State that, that really does need to step up, and it goes without saying. I think this is a game that K State needs one of those special teams plays, a defensive, you know, turnover in a key moment, something like that. That K State's been notorious for for creating in the years past. They're going to need one of those those plays here to come out with a win.
Thank you, Mr. Gilbert. I appreciate it very much. A little surprising that you don't think the Cats will win this game. I personally do think K-State will win this game, and I think it's going to be a really competitive, fun, close game like most of the games are this season in the Big 12. You can check out more of my in-depth thoughts on how this game will go and my final score prediction. If you're a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com and it's a good time to do it, we have a deal going right now at GoPowerCat. You can get two months for $1. That'll get you basically through football season right now at gopowercat.com and before we're done i have to give you my one thing to watch in this game we really thoroughly broke down how the offenses and defenses fit together in this contest and it will be an entertaining matchup if tcu can outscore k-state if k-state can suppress the frogs ability to put points on the board but the one thing i think you need to watch or special teams. TCU, like Kansas State, takes a lot of pride in special teams, particularly their return game. Someone is going to make a huge play in special teams in this game. It'll happen, and it may not be K-State, and it will almost assuredly decide the outcome of a very close game. Can Kansas State move to 4-0 in Big 12 play on Saturday night in Fort Worth by beating the fellow unbeaten team in conference play, the TCU Horned Frogs? The stage is set for a great game, and unfortunately, due to postseason baseball, this game was moved from Fox over-the-air broadcast to FS1, but still, college football fans know what this means. The winner of this game will be in the driver's seat for a spot in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington. Big challenges await both teams down the road, and if you're K-State, you get to come home for two more games, but those games are against Oklahoma State and Texas. This is the next step in a very rigorous schedule for the Wildcats as every team in the Big 12 goes through a battering ram of nine conference games to try to earn a spot in Arlington. Can it be K-State? We're going to have to see how it plays out. And a quick reminder that the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. It's the Cats and the Frogs, 7 p.m. at Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth. I will be there, and so will the Go Power Cat crew. I will see you next week at the Bill, but this week I'll be in Fort Worth. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. Thank you.